Well, good morning, Overlake. My name is Jessica.
okay? What does that mean? There's no more shame. There's no more darkness. No more pain. We're going to give it to the Lord. He's going to lift it off of us. He's going to carry it, okay? So if you were to dance like you believe that, what would that look like? much for creating a place where we can come and feel freedom when we say your name. Father, I ask that the stressors of this week be placed to the side and that we are able to come here and lift our hands to you, open our hearts to you, and to be fed and to fill our cup. Father God, you are so good to us. Glory to where my 
Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. And you are here, touching every heart. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, healing every heart. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, turning our lives around. I worship you. I worship stop working you never stop you never stop working even when I don't see it you're working even when I don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop you never stop working even when I don't see it you're working even when I don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working never stop, you never stop working, even when I don't see it, you're working, even when I don't feel it, you're working, you never stop, you never stop working, you never stop, you never stop working, even when I don't see it, you're working, even when I don't feel it, you're working. Yeah. 
you so much. Let's just pray together real quick. Lord, we just thank you so much for your goodness, that you are the way maker, the miracle worker, and the promise keeper. We just love you. We just thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, amen, amen. Even when we don't know it, if we don't feel it, we don't see it, God is working, which is a, a timely promise this morning. Have a seat. Welcome to Overlake. If you're uh, tuning in online, well, especially welcome to you um, from the comfort of your own home. So welcome to you too. My name is Phil. I'm one of the pastors on the team. Um, hopefully on the way in, you got one of the handouts in there. There's a connection card. You can fill that out when you have a moment. Fill it out to as much as you feel comfortable. It's just a way that we can stay in touch with you. We can keep our records updated, all that kind of stuff. And if you're new or you consider yourself new, then you can hang on to that instead of uh, dropping it in the buckets, and you can take it to the Connection Center on the way out and exchange that for a gift as our way to, to welcome you and kind of introduce you to some people here at Overlake. Well, um, we, we've had a weird weekend, I think it's fair to say, right? I don't know if you've managed to stockpile your toilet paper yet, or you're one of the few that haven't, but it's, 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 it's a real thing, and the community are, are nervous, there's some real fears, and so I thought it would be um, a good moment to maybe read something from the Bible that's, that speaks to, to fear, and then pray together um, for our community, for our city. So um, this is from uh, Philippians, from Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So will you pray with me? Father, we pray for a blessing over our cities, over our communities, over the people we know and the people we interact with. We ask that you intervene. We ask for a, a miracle cure. We ask that you work with those that are working for that cure. We ask for peace. We ask for, for harmony. And we ask that you calm fears and strengthen our resolve. Uh, help us to trust in you. We know you are working when we don't see it. We know you are working when we don't feel it. So we ask that we trust in you and we ask that you intervene and you give us the security, the safety, the courage that we need. Amen. Well, we're going to take um, 30 seconds or so to greet those around us. But given the current news in our community, let's um, lean into our Seattle freeze, maybe keep our hands in our pockets. And instead of handshaking and hugging, we can just chat to people and say, how are you doing from five seats away? on the team here, and I'm so excited to be with you guys this morning. This is a good day to be here, and I'm looking around the room, and I see a lot of friends, people that I know, some I don't, and so if we just don't know each other yet, I just want to start out uh, by introducing myself, letting you get to know me a little bit. Uh, I've been on staff here at Overlake for about five years in kind of a variety of different roles. I started out as a worship pastor, and so you might remember about a year ago, I got to stand up.
up here and teach on my favorite thing in the entire world, which is worshiping Jesus. Like worship truly is my first love, my first passion. And now, I, for the last couple of years, I've been on the community ministries team with Pastor Pat. Uh, so I get to teach our Rooted membership class, which is how I know a lot of you in this room, our Transform Discipleship series. And then also throughout the week, I lead our women's group called The Gathering. But occasionally, uh, Christmas time and Easter time usually, oh, so it's coming up, um, I get to be in here and also lead worship alongside Pastor Jessica, which is really, really fun for me because you guys, this church loves worship. Like, I love worshiping with you guys because we know this is a value of our family. Worship first. This is our response in everything, right? And we know it's not just in this room, but this is the posture with which we live our lives. And it looks different for each one of us. And so for me, sometimes uh, I play the piano, so it looks like sitting down at, at my piano. And it's a, a nice way for me to be able to, like, if I don't have words, you know when you just, like, don't have any words? Um, to be able to sit down and, and process um, with the Lord. Um, it's nice, except for one thing. And unfortunately, that one thing is my dog. It's my dog. Um, we have a picture of her. Aww. Uh, this is Mariota. She's three years old. She's a standard poodle. Um, and she looks cute, huh? She looks nice and innocent right now. Let me tell you. Um, every time that I go to sit down at my piano, I'm not kidding, every time, she could be asleep, like snoring in another room in the house, but if I go and I sit down <laughs> at the piano, it's like her spidey senses tingle and she like jumps up and she runs, not to me, she runs to the door and is like, let me out. <laughs> Like something bad is going to happen. And I'm like, man, that's just like not what I need for my self-esteem, you know? Um, I'm like, the Lord loves my worship. Come on. So uh, all that to say, my dog uh, keeps me humble, you know? So that's a little bit uh, about me. That's probably too much about me and my dog. Um, we're going to switch gears. And if you have been following us for the last month or so, we have been in this series in, on 1 Thessalonians. So 1 Thessalonians 5, our fifth and final week. Um, if you want, you can grab the Bible in front of you or, or pull out those notes in your handout today because we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And I'm excited I get to share with you Paul's closing words in this letter. We've been talking about how this is a letter of love. Like he has deep love for these believers. He addresses them as a child or as a parent addresses a child, right? With, with a lot of care um, and nurturing language. And each week in this series, we've also been adding tools to our spiritual tool belt, just ways that are gonna help us to approach the text. Things like context matters, right? It's helpful for us as we approach the text. We also recognize that we live in an individualistic society. So oftentimes we come to the text with an individual mindset or point of view. And we know that this letter, this is a letter written to a community of believers to be read in community. These are things that are helpful for us as we approach the text. And so today we're gonna add one more tool to our spiritual tool belt, one more resource, and it's this. It's the idea that scripture interprets scripture. Scripture itself helps us as we come to know what we are reading. Hebrews says the word of God is active, alive, living and active, right? And so what we're going to do today, we have our core passage, chapter 5. And also what we're going to do, we're going to read some other um, 
passages in the New Testament kind of alongside to help us bring context, deeper understanding um, to the passage that we're looking at today. Does that sound good? So we're gonna be we're gonna be jumping around, but we're gonna be learning about what it means scripture interprets scripture. So let's dive in. We're gonna start with verse one. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. In your outline, there's this verse. I'd love for you to circle the words like a thief in the night. Like a thief in the night. This phrase, like a thief in the night, should sound familiar to us, not just because uh, last Sunday Neely referenced the 70s, like terrifying 70s movie with the same name, if you remember that, but also Paul is saying, you are fully aware, you know that he's coming like a thief in the night. Why? Because this idea comes directly from a conversation that Jesus had. This comes from the mouth of Jesus. So we're going to look, our first passage we're going to look at alongside this is the conversation Jesus has with his disciples about his return. It's in Matthew 24. However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect." I love the way that Jesus words this. I love the way he says this because it's almost poetic or like riddle-like. Like he's, he's saying you already know there's no way to know. Only the Father knows the day or the hour. Not, the Son does not even know. No, you do not know what you do not know, right? But know this, that you do know that he's coming. Like that's what's important. You do know that he's coming. And so if you know that he's coming, stay awake. Be ready. Last week, Neely talked about how at this time, uh, new believers are coming to Christ, and upon conversion, they are immediately looking to Christ's return because they believed it was going to happen in their lifetime. So they're immediately going there. And I love what Jesus is saying here because I feel like he's saying, don't become so obsessed with what you don't know that you miss out on what you do. Like, like, don't miss it. Don't become so frustrated by the mystery. Don't become obsessed with what you don't know that you miss out on what scripture has made very clear. Second Peter says, for one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. So like pinpointing the timeline is not, that's not the point, right? Jesus said it was better that he go. Why? So the Father could send an advocate, the Holy Spirit, to live inside of you and me. And just because we don't know the day or the hour, it doesn't mean we lose sight of the fact that Jesus is coming back. And he expects a church and a bride that is awake and ready. So let's keep going in our passage, starting with verse 4. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. Circle the words, children of light, and keep awake. 
children of light. He's reminding the believers of who they are. You are children of light. You are children of the day. And I love that then he, he doesn't say it's just you. He includes himself in this. You are children of the light, but we don't belong to darkness. This is for us too. We don't belong to darkness. We belong to the day. So let us not sleep, but let us keep awake and be sober. Sleep often symbolized death laziness, spiritual apathy, lack of preparedness. So when he says, let us not sleep, let us keep awake, it's the opposite of those things, right? And sober meaning sober-minded, having a calm and a collected spirit. So our challenge today, and this is in your notes, our challenge today is this, keep awake and live as children of light. That's who we are. Let's live as children of light. This phrase, keep awake, we've, we've already heard it a couple of times. Again, it echoes the words of Jesus, right? When he was talking to his disciples. 14 times in the gospels, Jesus uses this phrase in the Greek, keep awake. And we know that when we see repetition in scripture, right? We should slow down and pay attention. We, sh we, should, we should pause, we should get a closer look. And so it says, keep awake. But in our English translations, it, it often also looks like stay awake or often keep watch, keep watch. And so what we're gonna do now, scripture, interpreting scripture, um, we're gonna look at two of those instances where Jesus uses this phrase, keep watch. And this is the first one. The first mention of keep watch I want us to look at is the parable of the 10 bridesmaids. Now, the parables Jesus often told to illustrate spiritual principles, right? To teach us about the kingdom of God. These are short, simple stories, but the spiritual implications are huge. And so it's no exception with this parable. So we're going to jump in. The parable starts by saying there are 10 you guessed it, bridesmaids, 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps to meet the bridegroom. There are five wise bridesmaids and there are five foolish bridesmaids. It says they all carry their lamps. Here's the thing. The, the lamp, we know, would be like a, a shallow bowl, sort of like a piece of pottery that is oval-shaped, kind of flat. Um, this section would hold olive oil and then it'd be pinched on the end. There'd be a groove for the wick. Now it says the five foolish bridesmaids carried only the lamp. The five wise carried their lamp and a second vessel with which to carry additional oil. And scripture uh, tells us that oil is representative of the anointing and the presence of the Holy Spirit. The oil is representative of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so when the prophet Samuel poured oil on the head of King David, Way back before he was King David, he was just like little brother, um, shepherd boy David, right? When Samuel pours the oil on him, it's signifying the anointing for him to be king. When Zechariah has a vision of a lampstand with seven lamps and an olive tree on either side, he hears a voice say, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So the oil is representative of the Holy Spirit. The oil is what keeps the flame going and the lamp burning and fresh oil is fresh anointing. So off they go with their lamps, uh, but then the bridegroom is delayed. He takes way longer than expected. So long 
that they all become drowsy and then they all fall asleep. And this is where we're going to pick up in this parable in Matthew 25, verse 6. It says, at midnight they were roused by the shout, look, the bridegroom is coming, come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Now let's pause here for a second, because it says they got up and they prepared their lamps. Now, when they prepared their lamps, that means they actually trimmed the wicks of their lamps. Trimming the wicks is very important. Uh, I mentioned earlier that we did, um, that I lead the gathering, the women's group, and about a year, year and a half ago, there were a hundred of us from Overlake that went through this series by Beth Moore called The Quest. Were any of you a part of that? series that we did. Um, it was the best uh, teaching that I've ever heard on the parable of the ten bridesmaids. And she talks about that when they prepared their lamps, the trimming of the wicks is like staying current in our relationship with the Lord. Like having a short wick is like having a sh keeping a short account with him. Like daily coming before him. Trimming the wicks is like the preparation of our hearts before him. And it's very, very important. Because not only do we need the fresh oil, we need a trimmed wick, right? To be able to burn bright and clear the way that we were intended. There's preparation. We trim the wick because we don't want to rely on any old, old outdated revelation or somebody else's revelation. I don't know about you, but I want a word for today. I want fresh anointing today. And so we trim the wicks. Back to our parable, verse 8. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. This is their response. We don't have enough for us both. If we split what we have, like we're both out of luck, right? Like if I pour out what I have been carrying, neither one of us are going to make it through the night. Remember, the oil represents the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I cannot carry oil for you. You cannot carry oil for someone else. Because of Jesus, we all have access to the same thing, but only you can carry what you are meant to carry. There is something that is specifically for you. Only you can decide how you're going to prepare, stay awake, and keep watch. Verse 10. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. And in verse 13, we hear Jesus' words to us. So you too must keep watch. There it is. For you do not know the day or hour of my return. In your hand, I'd love for you to circle that again. Keep watch in verse 13. Keep watch. Those who were equipped and ready when the bridegroom came were welcomed and invited in. And I think this is an invitation from Jesus to us. When he says keep watch, it's an invitation into, to be present in our relationship with the Lord. Amen. To be prepared. And so this is our first fill-in today. Keep watch. An invitation to be present and prepared. In the very next chapter, we see Jesus use this phrase, keep watch. Again, this time he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is the night Jesus is to be betrayed and arrested. And he takes Peter, James, and John, and he goes with them to pray. And this is what he says, Matthew 26, verse 38. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch. 
with me. He then goes a little further and kneels down to pray. And we know what happens there. And he comes back to the disciples and they're asleep. And he goes, come on, guys. Couldn't you wait, like stay awake one hour with me? Keep watch and pray so you don't fall into temptation for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Keep watch and pray. Maybe three or four years ago, I was doing my daily devotional time with the Lord. And I don't do this super often, but this particular day, I, I used a daily devotional that you are, might, may have heard of. It's called My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. And I opened it to this particular day, and it had a reading about the same passage in the Garden of Gethsemane. I'd love to read to you what it says. Watch with me. Jesus was saying, in effect, watch with no private point of view at all, but watch solely and entirely with me. In the early stages of our Christian life, we do not watch with Jesus. We watch for him. We don't even know how to watch with him. We are so used to the idea of Jesus watching with us. Like how often have we said, Lord, Come and see from my perspective. Would you come and see the, the thing that I'm seeing right now? Like, maybe I don't like this thing. Would you just come and, and see through my perspective? Um, we, we, we might ask Jesus to come in and watch with us as a spectator. When actually this morning we were singing, he's the God who never stops working, right? He's orchestrating all things. He is the way maker. He is the one moving things. He is the one that's in control. And so this invitation to keep watch is not us inviting Jesus to come see from our perspective, but he's saying, come up higher. Come see the way I see things. Because I have perfect perspective. Like I have heavenly perspective. And so he says, stay here and keep watch with me. I remember exactly where I was when I read those words because I did what I just told you that I do sometimes to process. And I went and I sat down at the piano and I began to pray and, and, and an entirely new song came out and it was a song from Jesus to me. And I'd love to read some of these lines to you. This is from Jesus to us. What would it look like to keep watch with me? through my eyes, through my wounds, and with my heart. Like, what would it feel like to keep watch with me? To set down your broken human eyes and watch with me. To pick up new heavenly perspective and watch with me. Won't you stay here and keep watch with me? When Jesus says, keep watch with me, it's an invitation into relationship. He's inviting us in. He's welcoming us in to, to try on this new perspective, like a perfect perspective. And so this is our next fill-in. Keep watch is an invitation into relationship and new perspective. Relationship and new perspective. So now we've, we've explored two other instances of this phrase, keep watch, that Jesus used. And so we're gonna use that, what we've learned, and we're gonna jump back into our core text today in 1 Thessalonians. This is right after Paul has said, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake. We're gonna start at verse seven. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, 
Let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Circle the words faith, love, and hope. Now, hopefully, these three words sound familiar, again, because Paul has woven these themes throughout this letter, over and over, throughout this last month, we've been talking about faith, love, and hope. You might remember on week one, Pastor Neely was talking about a commitment to faithful works, loving deeds, and enduring hope. And even this morning on your handout, if you look at the front of it where there's that image, it says 1 Thessalonians, right under it, it says a study of, of Paul's letter of faith, love, and hope. Because when Pat Neely and I were looking at this, reading through this letter, these words just kept jumping out. Like this is the core of what he is saying, faith, love, and hope. But this time in our chapter today, he talks about it differently. He says, put on faith, love, and hope. Wear it. He talks about wearing it as as armor, a breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. You know what that tells me? A breastplate does what? It protects the heart. Faith and love to protect the heart. And a helmet of hope to protect the mind, right? Since we know that scripture interprets scripture, I want to set this verse also about faith, love, and hope. Um, next to another letter that Paul writes to a group of believers in Rome. And let's see if we can see some similarities in this message. This is in Romans 13. He says, Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. What is the armor of light? Faith, love, and hope, right? It only makes sense that as children of light, if that's who we are, then we would be equipped with the armor of light. And why might we need spiritual armor? Again, scripture helps us understand. We know that in Ephesians 6, we know that our, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and principalities of the darkness of the unseen. Like we know there is more. As, as Christians, we know there is more than meets the eye. We know that there is a battle raging, but here is the good news. Not only do we know how the story ends, who has the ultimate victory, spoiler, it's Jesus. Every time, the answer is Jesus. Not only do we know who has the final victory, but we know we have been equipped right now to stand firm in this present moment. We've been given everything we need. We've been given the armor of light, faith, love, and hope. And so this is our encouragement today. And this is your next fill-in. Our encouragement is this. As children of light, you are equipped with everything you need in faith, love, and hope. You have everything you need. Let that sink in this morning. You have everything you need. You've been equipped with faith, love, and hope. Your heart is protected. Your mind is protected. He's given us everything that we need. And Paul's giving the Thessalonians instructions for how to live in this meantime, right? We're saying, don't, don't jump forward. Don't become obsessed with what you don't know. What we do know is this, how to live in the meantime, how to live in the waiting. And to be honest, that's us right now. There is a lot of uncertainty right now. We don't know what the future holds. We don't know what this thing is going to look like, right? right. We, it, 
there's, there's change. Change makes us uncomfortable. When things change in our family, it makes us uncomfortable. There's also, like we talked about this morning, fear in our society. It makes us uncomfortable. But what Paul is saying, and what I would want to say to you this morning, is that we have an opportunity to stay engaged. We have an opportunity to not miss it, not, not become so obsessed with what we don't know, the mystery, what we don't know, what could happen, that we miss out on realizing we have everything we need. We have everything we need for this present moment to stand firm. We've been equipped with the armor of light, of faith, love, and hope. So I want to repeat our challenge this morning to keep awake over lake. Keep awake and live as children of light. And now Paul gets ready to sign off this letter. I wish I could read the whole thing, so I hope after this you go through and read all of his instructions. But at the end of this letter, he's giving us really practical information. What does it look like for us to live as children of light? And so as we read this, I'd love for you to think about, again, the echoes of Jesus' teaching. We're going to start in verse 15. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Now this is not just a random list of do's and don'ts, right? This is actually what it looks like, not just for an individual, but as a community. This is what it looks like for all of us to live as children of light, for all of us to press into this thing, to, to commit to staying awake and present and prepared. John 3.16 is a verse that I think most of us have heard or memorized at some point. We know that it ends with, for whosoever shall believe in him will not perish, but have what? Eternal life. Eternal life. And for so many of us, if we have, have grown up hearing this verse over and over, we might think, man, I just can't wait to get to heaven to have eternal life. Man, I can't wait just to get over here so then I can, we can start eternal life. And I think if we, if we continue to think that way, we're missing it because eternal life starts right now. It starts right now. John 10, 10 says, Jesus came to give us life and life to the full. That tells me abundant life. That tells me that life starts right now. And so this is our final fill-in and our final invitation. Keep watch. An invitation into eternal life. Into eternal life. Now remember, Jesus said, it was better that he go so that the Holy Spirit could come, right? So the Holy Spirit could come and live inside of us. Does that not continue to blow your mind every day? Like he lives inside of us. And this is really good news because he doesn't discriminate. He doesn't play favorites. He doesn't give one version of himself to men and another version of himself to women. He doesn't give a bigger, better version of the Holy Spirit to adults and a little fun size for kids, right? He gives us himself. When we say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. We have been equipped with everything that we need, right? He has fresh oil 
for us today. It doesn't matter who you are. He has fresh anointing for us today. So let's be a people with trimmed wicks. Like let's be a people that want to come close and listen because we know that that closeness that we sometimes associate with heaven We know that that closeness, that intimacy with Jesus, we don't have to wait to begin that relationship. That starts today. That starts right now, right? There's something so specifically beautiful about our relationship with the Lord right now that will never happen again. It looks like this. Even when I can't see it, you're working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. It looks like faith in a God that we cannot see. It looks like trusting that he is good when we don't know, right, what it looks like. It looks like coming before him broken. Do you know we live in a broken world? And so it's coming before a perfect and a holy God in the middle of our brokenness, in our weakness, in everything that we carry, coming before him and knowing that he comes close to us that he is good, that he is present, that he is here, that he's equipped us with everything that we already need. There's something so specific about our life right now. Eternal life starts right now. So why would you not want to accept an invitation? The, The invitation to keep watch, be present and prepared. The invitation into relationship and perfect perspective. Why would we sleep? through that. Listen, there's never been a better time to accept these invitations. There's never been a better time to accept Jesus as Lord of your life and allow the Holy Spirit to come live inside of us. And I don't know what the future holds, but you know what I know? I know that he's in control. I know that he loves this family. I know that he loves you. And so as a family, let's commit to this thing. Let's commit to staying engaged and in it, even when it gets hard. Like, let's not fall asleep on this thing. Let's not tap out when it gets hard. But this is a call to stay engaged, to stay awake, to recognize we can't rely on somebody else to carry what we're only meant to carry. We can't expect somebody else to do that for us. Each one of us has something to carry, to bring to this family, right? So right now, this is a call to stay engaged and stay awake. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but we know that we've been equipped with everything that we need. We're children of light. We've been given the armor of light. We've been equipped with faith, love, and hope. And I mentioned earlier that, that sometimes I get to lead in here at Christmas time. I love our Christmas Eve services. I especially love the 11 p.m. service, if you've been part of that. From my perspective up here, I get to see all of the candles being lit, right? It's, it's usually right around midnight. All the candles are lit. We're singing Silent Night. It's this beautiful and this holy moment for the Lord. And this last Christmas Eve, right at midnight, we're singing, and I'm asking the Lord, like, what, what is it that you have for us? What is it that you want to say to Overlake? Like, what, what do you have? And I heard him so clearly say this, and I think this is for you guys today. He said, the night is over, the morning has come. The night is over, the morning has come. Like, I don't know who needs to hear this, but the night is over. 
The morning has come. You know why? We don't belong to darkness. We don't belong to the night. We are children of the day. That is who we are. We are children of light. And so as children of light, let's keep awake. Right? As children of light. I would love for all of us to stand, because Paul ends this letter with a benediction. Would you stand with me? And I would love to read this over you as we close. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. And this is key. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so thankful that you are in control. We're so thankful that we know that you are faithful. Surely you will do it. You never leave us alone. You never stop working. We know that you are the one who does it. You are the one who provides. You are the one who protects. You are the one who heals. You are the one who hears us and who sees us. You are the one who fills us with yourself, with your spirit. So Lord, we ask for greater awareness of that. We ask that you would build our awareness of what you're doing right now, that we would stay awake, that we would stay prepared with our eyes open, Lord, thank you for inviting us into your perfect perspective. Thank you for giving us hope. You've given us protection, a breastplate of faith and love to protect our hearts, a helmet of hope to protect our minds. And so, Lord, this morning we come to you and say, we trust you. We trust you with everything. We trust you with our families. We trust you with our health. We trust you with this church. We trust you with the future. He is faithful. Your word says you are faithful and you will surely do it. Amen.
presence day to day today as we live it out. Family, why don't you go ahead and have a seat? My name's Lynn. I am one of the pastors on staff here. Um, love being with you guys this morning and worshiping together. Just want to say thank you, Overlake, for your faithfulness and your giving. There's a lot of ways that we give. Many of you do it online, and we actually want to pause and acknowledge those who are viewing our service online, too. Glad you're with us this morning. But as we continue on in our worship by responding in the giving of our gifts and um, dropping in the bucket any prayer requests that you have, if you are newer to Overlake, we want to encourage you again, fill out as much as you feel comfortable. Stop by one of the info tables and we have a gift to give you this morning. Love for you to participate in that. But Overlake, your giving even just this week has, we have seen children who've been, that were street kids who are now in homes just this week. There are 15 kids uh, in Asia who had experienced intervention and care and encouragement that protected them from being sold into the sex trafficking. And even a disability center launched this week in North Africa in a place where there's no care for disabled kids. Yes, let's apply it. That's what your giving does, as well as the impact we have locally. So thank you for being faithful to that. Ushers, why don't you come forward? As you guys know, every week we've been having a testimony, and I want to introduce my friend Alyssa to come join us. She's going to share with you the things that God has been doing in her life and through the ministry of Overlake. Hi, my name is Alyssa Mosley, um, and I've been attending Overlake for about 16 years. Um, so thanks for letting me share. When I was a very young kid, um, my parents divorced due to infidelity, and it was very messy and caused a lot of pain and anger in our family. And I didn't know how to deal with that, especially as a kid. I let it out on my mom and my sister, and ev for everyone else, I tried to be perfect and please them. It wasn't until college that I became suicidal, and I discovered I was extremely depressed and had been for years. Um, as, and the move from home to college, where I literally knew no one, really amplified the loneliness and pain. Then one day during my freshman year, I was invited to a Bible study on the UW campus and felt a little bit drawn to go, but wasn't really planning on doing it. Well, I'm thankful that God meets us where we are because I found out this really cute boy was going and so I decided it was worth a shot. <laughs> um, little did I know how impactful that decision would be. So although I was learning about Jesus, I hadn't committed and I still partied a lot. And while going to counseling and trying to fix my depression with medications. But most nights I prayed that I would just not wake up. Then one day early in my sophomore year, I woke up and those feelings were gone. It was at that moment I realized that Jesus loved me and healed me and I committed my life to him. I partied a lot less, I stopped having inappropriate relationships with my male friends, and instead I got more involved with the group. This group was my first true experience of consistently seeing people who love Jesus and live life together. We served together, prayed together, supported each other, and witnessed to others. It was a really beautiful picture of the church. 
After college, I attended and started Bible studies through Overlaked and loved continuing to be part of a community who served together and were learning to love Jesus and serve others. However, as I grew older and watched many of my friends get married or move away, my community changed and was no longer so vibrant. I was lonely, longing for a husband, but even more for continued community with other believers. I realized that I needed to find a way to be in community and I needed mentors. Meanwhile, I'd been spending more time with my aunt and uncle, Mark and Lisa Bauman. I noticed that their lives really reflected God's love for the world and their love for Jesus, so I started seeking their wisdom and guidance more and getting involved with their ministries. Through Mark and Lisa, I also met Lynn. Um, I immediately connected with her in my struggle with singleness, and as I built a relationship with her, I also noticed her heart for sharing Jesus not only with me, but with the world. Lisa, Mark, and Lynn all disciple me by challenging me, teaching me, encouraging me, praying with me, and inviting me to live life with them. And my desire to do the same has begun to grow even more. So I led a group of high school girls from their seventh grade year to graduation, and it was beautiful to watch them grow in faith, pray with them, challenge them, and love them. And we saw girls who got to know Jesus for the first time and got to celebrate that. Then in 2017, I was encouraged to take perspectives on World Christian Movement by Lynn and Mark and Lisa, who have also taken the class. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. It was lots of work, but more than that, it was life-changing. Hearing speakers from all over the world share how the gospel is spreading and creating believers, seeing in his word Jesus' desire and plan to bring all peoples to him, and truly understanding that we are all called to be disciple-makers who make disciples who make disciples. Amen. As the result of that assignment from that class, I had the pleasure of getting to know an Iraqi woman and her family. I've been invited into their community many times. We've become close friends, and I've had the pleasure of praying with them, sharing Jesus' love for them, breaking bread with them, and sharing the gospel with them. I'm continuing to learn how to be a disciple who makes disciples that make disciples, how to be spiritually conspicuous, how to pray for the world, how to bless others with my blessings, and to trust Jesus, not only with my life, but in his plan to bring all peoples to him and my part in that. Thank you. Thank you, Alyssa. Well, friends, we have had over 400 of you respond to the survey that was offered this past month. And if you're interested in viewing some of those results, those are online. We want to hear from a uh, diversity of voices in this room and in the ministries. So just so you know, most of the people who responded have been here close to 10 years or over. So if you are newer, we'd love for you to jump in and fill out the survey. And 60% women. So come on, guys. We want to hear your voice, right? So jump on, jump on, and you will, we'll uh, do, the, do the survey. We'd love to hear from you as we're in this process of transition and all that God has for Overlake. It's also a way just for us to be able to know best how to care for this body. And as always, we have incredible people who'd love to pray for you and pray with you if you made a spiritual decision today or if you're feeling compelled out of things from the word or the worship. Um, people would love to be here to pray with you. Why don't you guys go ahead and stand as I say this prayer blessing over us. And in a season where the community is feeling scared and in crisis, may we be the people of the light, right? That live out the faith, hope, and love. Over like you have been equipped with faith, hope, and love. Live as children of the light in this world that feels so hungry for hope 
and security. May your heart reveal all that the Spirit of God has already placed in you. He who calls you is faithful, and he will do it in you and through you. In Jesus' name, amen. Look forward to seeing you guys next week.